Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, number 81. As we uh, continue here, as we record on my back porch, so if you hear some ambient noise outside, it's my neighbors uh, cutting his lawn and other things. But, you know, hey, it's more fun. It's it's a beautiful day, so let's be outside, have some fun, and enjoy the uh, the weather here as we get to the end of September. And, and it's 90 degrees. Yes. I'm it's sure, 90 degrees. Yes. Now, and my pool's still open, so if you want to come swimming tomorrow, you can. So it's been an uh, interesting week. Yes. The baseball season has officially come to an end. Yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah. It's either going to be a uh, uh, joyous was, one or it's going to be a uh, gut punch one. And yeah, we said again. You're going to have the gut I punch. Ready, I was ready to celebrate or get kicked in the stomach. I got kicked in the stomach. Someday, Tim. Well, it's not even that. This It was actually a pretty damn successful year. Yes. Uh, yes. The goal is always to win it all. Only one team does. We say all season long, the Indians were a long shot Mm -hmm. because of the way the season began, the injuries that piled up. However, they they changed their season around. They made moves. They they played to win. They had weaknesses, and they showed up at different times. I think more than anything, at the end of the season, it wasn't that they tired out or were unmotivated and all that garbage. I honestly think it was just experience. And I completely experience agree. in the pitching staff. Bieber pitched well, but just couldn't get over the hump in that game. And once they lost that game, I think the team recognized the, the miracle they needed, and it just wasn't going to happen. And you know, then they went, went played three games in uh, Washington, and you know they played like a team that was defeated. Was out of it, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I get it. And I'm not here complaining about it. It, it was what it was. It was a hell of a season. You won 93 games. You won two more than you did the year before. For the most part, you played the entire season without a two-time Cy Young player in in Kluber. Mm-hmm. You lost Carrasco to a health you know scenario with leukemia. Your number three pitcher in Clevenger for two months. Yep. You traded away your number three pitcher or four pitcher in Bauer. So, yeah. Lost Lindor and Kipnis for two months combined. There was Ramirez for a month. Exactly. I mean, there was injuries. Extremely weak outfield to start the season. And obviously, they made adjustments as the season went long. Mercado. I mean, what Mercado did all season long was phenomenal. I mean, that young man can play, and he's now your center fielder. You made a trade. You got Vermil Reyes Mm -hmm. as a a designated hitter outfielder. You have Puig. Now, Puig may or may not be back. We'll, We'll let that determine over this over the winter i'm not even concerned but they made a lot of moves that they needed to make during the season it was a transitional year for the indians and mm-hmm. in a transitional year you went down to the last three games of the season so that's pretty impressive you could blame a thousand different reasons for it you are what you are the indians always have been a small market team mm-hmm. and act like a small market team a small market team that actually outspend the twins outspend Tampa Bay, outspend Oakland, all teams that made the playoffs. So it's not the Indians didn't spend enough money. It's just some of the players did not perform all season long or you had injuries. And quite honest with you, I mean, you had three basically rookies in your rotation all season long. They performed well enough to keep you in every game of the season up until the last week. I'm heartbroken that baseball's over on that level. I mean, I'll watch the playoffs. I'll care about it, obviously. You know, being an Indian fan, it's it was, you know, a kick into the gut. But I can take that. I've, I'd rather be there at the last three games of the season than 
uh, be in June and know that your season's over. You said it was a lot of, you know, you could talk about series or games that, you know, could have gone one way or the other. But listen, you relied on Oscar Mercado to be your everyday center fielder. And bat at top of the order, you relied on Zach Plesak, Shane Bieber, who this is his first full season in the big leagues, Adam Plutko's first full season, and Aaron Savali also. You relied on a lot of young guys, and you won 93 games. I, I don't know if it's anything you did. It's just the two wildcard teams won 97 to 96 games. You tip your cap. Those teams are really good this year. They were really good. Oakland has always been a very good organization that gives themselves opportunities to win, and they may have one of the best managers in baseball, to be quite honest agree. with you. What he has achieved each year and year out, with what they give him is, is phenomenal. And this year was about the home runs, and the Indians really weren't a home run hitting team. Yeah, they set a new record for themselves at the end of the season. But that's however, the way baseball is now. However, when you compare it to the rest of baseball, it's not what the Twins did. Mm-mm. It's not what Tampa Bay did. It's not what others in New York did and mm-hmm. others. The Indians were a gap-hitting team that hit home runs at certain times. They weren't a home-run-hitting destined team like New York or like even the Mets were. Or you look at what, obviously, the Twins in your own division did. I mean, just set a major league record, for Christ's sake, for home runs that was set by New York just a few years ago, and they demolished it. Yes. So it shows you how the game has changed this year and that. I'm satisfied with the season, disappointed with the with the ending. Would I have been disappointed in the playoffs? Yeah. But would I rather be in the playoffs every year? Mm-hmm. I, I don't care if it's a one-game playoff or a seven-game series or a five-game series and you lose because you can't win a championship unless you're in the tournament. So anybody who says, "Oh, I don't care if they made a ter- made the, you know the playoffs or not," misses the point. You can't win unless you're in it. Anyone who abandoned that thought during the season, in my mind, is not thinking properly because the goal every year is to make the playoffs. Because then you see what happens. You just don't know. I've seen it too many times. You just don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes a team comes alive at the right time and wins the whole thing, or gets you to the World Series and it gives you the opportunity. The 97 team is a perfect example yep. of that. They won like 88 games all 80, season. Yeah. And they were not consistent all season long. However, there was so much talent on that team that when the playoffs came and they had a hot pitcher. It just clicked. Well, they had a hot pitcher in right, in the right scenario. And they had maybe you know, career years out of Alomar and others. Mm-hmm. And it propelled them to the World Series with some very important big hits and big plays throughout the playoffs. Those things happen. The Giants a few years ago with Bad Bomber, you know, yeah. it just it's just the way it works. You know, he was just was phenomenal. And you go to the World Series and you win the whole thing out of the wild card spot. So these things happen in all sports and all in baseball primarily. Mm-hmm. Again, I want to make the playoffs. It didn't happen. I'd rather be getting kicked in the stomach this time of the year than playing whole September and having lineups we did the like the last two week two days of the game. I agree with you. It was it's fun having meaningful baseball in September. Nobody's gonna dispute that. It's it's a lot better than the alternative, like you said. It's a lot better than in May and June being like it's gonna be a long year. And I think it sets up well for the future. We can have a whole podcast on is the Indians window closed or because remember last year when they lost to Houston, the general consensus was it's closed over startup. Well, we knew changes were coming. 
and changes did come. And that was what this year was about. It was a transitional year to new players, a new situation. Mm-hmm. You never know what challenges every season possessed. And this year was about injuries and injuries to your strength of your team, your starting pitching staff. And the weaknesses of your team were shown with the weakness of never addressing the outfield yep, yep. at the beginning of the season and having injuries to Kipnis and to Ramirez and to Lindor to start the season. The growth of Santana when he returned in the season that yes. he provided for you this year. And then the trade for Reyes. And what Reyes did the second half of the season, he got off to a horrible start with the Indians. And then you look at the numbers of what he did the rest of the season was phenomenal. 10 and, to 11 home runs, I think. Yeah. And and Puig added a lot of uh, flair and opportunity and played well. In his, he played well the last two weeks of the yeah, year. Well, the last two months of the season, he played well. He gave you a, a, a different type of look. It took a long time to address some of those issues, but they did. And players come and players go, and, and injuries happen. It was a good season. It was a difficult season. It was a heartbreaking season. It was a frustrating season. It was a glorious season. There's holes, and they're going to – this team There's holes is, in every team. Right, yeah. but they're going to make some changes again, and some players we're going to say goodbye to because I think most of us believe in – and I think even Kipnis believes that his days in Cleveland are done. Kipman. And there's others. And we don't Clover know what. Too. We have the ability to make trades this offseason what we never thought possible. Yes. And those trades could involve players that would normally be in the system that we would not trade. And what I'm saying is those three pitchers that we've seen this year, or four pitchers in Rodriguez, Savali, mm-hmm. yeah. Plutko, and Plesak, they're all potential players in big trades. I'm not saying they're going to, but they're players to be trained. The Indians have depth. You have resources. Yes. And depending on who's involved and what's being involved, hopefully good things will go forward. They may not make a damn move and keep all of them. For example, not pick up Kluber's option. I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. I have no idea. There's a long off season to figure that out. And it was a tough season. Interesting season. It was a frustrating season, like I said before. Because... Anytime the Indians didn't score early, you knew chances of the win were slim. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think going forward, you hope that you produce a lineup where on any inning in the game that you believe you have an opportunity to score runs. This year, the Indians did not necessarily have that. And I think that in the end is what did them in because once they got behind in games by two, three, four, five runs, you knew the game was, was practically over. over. I think only one time they ever had to come back late in the game all season long. So it tells you everything you need to know. Going forward, there's some holes to fix. Some players will be will say goodbye to. Some trades will happen that we don't expect. Possibly a signing or two we never expected. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to wait and see. But, yeah, I digest this season as a um, everything you expect a, a season to end in the last three days to feel like. A lot of good moments the last couple of weeks of the year. A couple gut punches there. You know, I think you you just tip your cap to the teams that were better, were better than you. Twins won 100 games, and the Rays and A's won 97, 96 games. In a transitional year where you relied on four rookies, five if you count Bieber's first full season in the big leagues, we all know those moves going to be made. That's every team every offseason. A move that I wasn't very keen on was trading Gomes, and Perez turns around, plays in 100 games, and has zero pass balls this year. 
We always knew he was a good defensive catcher. Uh, he added 24, 25 home runs this year. The bat was there. Uh, but to catch 100 games and a lot of zero pass balls, that's absolutely incredible. And he's a big reason why the guys that you talked about who now could be your main rotation had the success they did is because of the way he handled them. Athenians had strength to trade from, and they did, and they made some moves. And were, like I said, they said goodbye to last year to some players that mm-hmm. we hated to say goodbye to. Some of them they made the correct move on. Some of them they didn't. That's baseball. Entertaining baseball season, a frustrating season, a glorious season, and a gut-wrenching season. So you know, you just move on. However, as much as that happened this weekend, the Cleveland Browns actually revived their season and shockingly found the running game in the process. It's amazing what happens when you just run the ball, huh? You know, you make a commitment to run the ball, good things can happen. I don't care where what, you are at, what level of sports exactly. you're in football. You run the ball, you have You see it success. Friday, Saturday, and Sundays every year. Tim, we saw it Friday night, we saw it Saturday, and we saw it again Sunday. Quarterback play is so important in football that sometimes we put so much on the quarterback to be we successful, forget about the running we game. forget about the fundamentals of the game, and that's mm-hmm. to run the ball. And I believe that's what happened during the the two weeks where the Browns were at home and not play well. And a learning experience. We've seen an inexperienced head coach make mistakes. I think he corrected some of those mistakes on Sunday and put his team in best position to win. You can't count on an 85-yard run. No one does. However, when they happen, they're glorious. Yeah. And you're not going to apologize for them. No. Themselves in position to make that happen. And that's what accounts, and that's what that's what execution's about. I thought the Browns played well. You know, they went into Baltimore. They did everything they had to do defensively. They really, really did exactly what they wanted to do. And again, you're playing with your backup secondary, and mm-hmm. the game plan by Wilkes was phenomenal. They executed it well. It wasn't until the end of the game where they kind of abandoned that thought process where they ended up scoring that, their final touchdown, Baltimore. And I thought they played real well. Uh, I thought we've seen the offense now. What can happen? When you try to shut down one receiver, mm-hmm. they, being Baltimore, came in with a game plan of shutting down OBJ. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they, they were successful throughout the game with that. Is Jarvis Landry got open. And Jarvis Landy had a big game. And then you add in the other receivers as compliments. It was huge. And the tight end was huge. Seals Jones had a phenomenal game. And that's that's the tight end. You know, that's what can happen. And that's what OBJ brings to this offense. You try to shut him down, you're going to leave somebody else open. And in the process, you can really take advantage of it. And... You know, hopefully Jarvis is okay going forward. With he has in the concussion protocol going forward, but you get also Callaway back this week mm-hmm. off of suspension. So you're two and two moving forward. You've got to go out west, play on Monday night against uh, the Niners. Not an easy task, but I liked everything that I seen yesterday. I thought they played really, really well. Yeah the the way to win games on the road in the division is to run the football and. I will even say it's it's how you win football games. Period, home or away. Yeah, and I believe when you look at you run that the breakdown between the home and away games is the away games they did make the effort to run the ball mm-hmm. at home they did not 
they relied too much on the quarterback. Why do you to think that plays. is? I think that it was inexperience on the head coach and trying to, to make a big crowd. splash at home. And sometimes, you know, things get away from you. But quite honestly, I think we all believe if the Browns ran the ball late in the game against the Rams, when they had opportunity, they could have scored the yep. tying touchdown. And who knows what happens from that point on. We've seen the Rams falter this week. <laughs> at, and that tells you, in my mind, that they had an opportunity to win that ball game and probably Should've should won. have won. They didn't. You move on, on the road, a divisional game, huge to get a divisional win. And you and whipped them. Well, the Browns haven't been successful in divisional games ever. You know, you can put 15 years on that. Anytime you get a road divisional win, it's huge. It's huge. And you move forward. And that's why I keep saying divisional games are so important. You have six games in your division. You know, you want to be minimum four and two. You hope to be five and one or six and zero oh, because mm-hmm. then you win divisions. Yep. Uh, look at look what Pittsburgh has done over the years in the division. Their worst divisional record is four and two. They're usually five and one, six yep. and zero. Oh. That's where you need to be. I don't care where you are in the NFL. That's you look at what New England has done for the last fifteen years. Their divisional record is outstanding. It's incredible. And that's how you win divisions. That's how you put yourself in playoff games. That's how you put yourself with the first round bye. In home playoff games, yeah. Exactly. And that's how you move forward. When I watch the Cleveland Browns going forward, obviously I put greatest emphasis in divisional games because they couldn't win them. They weren't good enough. They weren't talented enough. Mm. This team is talented enough. And there is a regression in this division Pittsburgh is not as good as they once was. Cincinnati, we'll find out how good or bad they are tonight against Pittsburgh. We're going to find out you know, how they handle themselves. Can they win a ball game in the division? And Baltimore, we know Baltimore is a quality team mm-hmm. in the division. They won the division last year because of how they played in the division. So to go on the road into Baltimore and get that victory and be as dominating as you were in the second half, yeah, that's everything a Browns fan could ask and more. Yeah, that's a big win for the Browns. Uh, anytime you can go on the road and win by double digits, it's huge. Anytime you win the road, period, it's huge. Um, and now you have a semblance of what this offense can be with guys down there, a guy steps up. You try to take away one, the other steps up. And the run game. It, it all starts with the run game. It makes Baker Mayfield's job a whole lot easier. It makes Freddie Kitchen's job calling plays a lot easier knowing that when you need to run the ball, you can. And it just opens up a whole lot more of the playbook. And it allows a young quarterback who's still trying to learn how to read defenses and learn how to play with these guys. It makes it easier on him that he doesn't have, knowing he doesn't have to throw a touchdown every time out. Knowing he doesn't have to make the big play every time out. You know, last week I mentioned with you, I said the Browns' defense played well enough to win that ball game. They yes. should have. They, that, an effort like that should produce wins. Yes. Two weeks in a row, Browns defense has played to a level that you should win ball games, and that's the most important thing. They got turnovers again against Baltimore. Uh, What three turnovers? They had a fumble and two interceptions, and it's just phenomenal. I thought that is the key again: getting pressure on a quarterback, making him throw passes that he doesn't want to throw, or make him into a runner and contain him. I mean, very difficult task against. Jackson. Mm-hmm. However, in the end, a successful defensive stands 
by the defense. You're missing key cogs on your defense. You're missing your middle linebacker. You're missing basically your entire secondary. Uh, phenomenal uh, effort. And that goes up to the four up front. I thought Lawrence played a phenomenal game. He came up with one of the picks. Mm-hmm. and it, But he was getting pressure on. And we've seen uh, Vernon get his first sack of the season. So that, to me, was the key part of the game. We can talk about the offense because that gets all the glory. And they did play well, and and there's no question about it. Mayfield had his best game of the season of the four games that he's played. Going forward, as this defense continues to improve and continues to play at this level, they're going to give themselves an opportunity to win games. And hopefully, tight games like they were the previous week against the Rams will turn into victories. And that's when you know you've turned a corner, as you're winning the games that you used to lose. And unfortunately... In the week three, the Browns lost that game to the Rams at home. The only game the defense did not play well in so far this year was the opener. Week one. And you kind of throw that out as the outlier, and maybe it's called a fluke. I mean, at this point, the Browns the last three weeks have played really well, and that's where you have three win games. If you're forcing turnovers and you're cashing on them, you're going to give yourself a chance to win a lot of football games. And obviously, like you said, another tough task next week going out to San Francisco. Uh, Niners off to an undefeated start, so it'll be a tough test again on prime time out there. And then the Patriots in a couple weeks, right? As much as I was concerned about a 2-5 and five start, I'd never say never. That's not happening, Tim. I'd never say never. I more encourage that they can actually be that 4-3 and three or better than that, that I hope in their first seven games. They have now won two games on the road, which, again, to me, winning road games is huge because you just can't rely on that. That's why losing two home games was so difficult. If you told me going into the season the Browns would have two road wins, I would have been ecstatic because I would have said the chances of them being 4-0 was huge. huge. Yeah. And that's not the case. So now the Browns are going to have to go on the road again and be road warriors the entire season because of those two home losses. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what going forward. you got to make up the two games somehow. Yeah, well, exactly. You have to continue to win on the road, and you have to turn around your home season. And that's going to be important going forward for the Browns. Uh, I never expected them to be 0-2 to start the season at home and 2-0 and on the road. You never know what's going to happen. No. That's what makes sports interesting. Yep. And I, I keep saying that each and every week. That's what makes it interesting. That's what made the Indian season interesting because you could have gave up on the Indians in April or May. And if you did, I understand, but you missed a hell of a summer. Mm-hmm. And, and a great run to the last uh, four or five uh, games of the season. So that's what is interesting about sports. You just don't know what may transpire and what may motivate and what interesting things can happen. And the first four games of the season, the first quarter is over. The Browns are 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Yeah, that's a successful four games. And then you move forward. Hopefully the next four games, you be 3-1 and one mm-hmm. or better. Uh, and that's how you win championships, and that's how you win divisions or put yourself in playoff mode. And the next four games will tell you a lot about the Browns. And if the Browns are 4-4 four and four after the first eight games, you're not going to be disappointed. You, you'll, you'll find games that you probably could have won, but you'll be in, you're putting yourself in position going forward the last eight games of the season to be successful. Take it four games at a time. Grade them right now. C-plus. Is where I put the Browns at at two and two because they don't deserve anything better than that because they lost the two games at home. Yep, and 
there's there's encouragement. They did everything they were supposed to do this past week. They ran the ball with Chubb. They were able to to manage the clock with Mayfield and throw the ball effectively. He found his receivers. The defense was huge. That equals a win, and that makes me happy. And going forward, I, I like it. And like I said, Monday night, big challenge on the road, going across country to play. So, yeah, if there's a a game to make a statement on for your season, this is the week to make your early statement since you didn't do it at home against the Rams on Sunday night mm-hmm. and you didn't do it on the opening game against Tennessee. This is your statement game. If the Browns are going to have a statement game early in the season, game number five on the road Monday night in San Fran is their chance to make a statement to the to the NFL that the Browns are turning their corner and becoming a contender for a playoff spot. Switching back, speaking of playoffs, to baseball. Any playoff picks? You going to make any picks at all? Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll, instead of that, I'm going to tell you the teams I'm going to follow. Okay. I'm going to follow the, the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are a fun team to watch. I, that's why I picked them to win the division. And I'm going to follow Oakland because I want to see Oakland break that string of not being able to get deep into the playoffs. So those are the two teams in each league that I'm going to follow. Uh, will Oakland get past Tampa Bay? I do not know. We'll find that out uh, tomorrow, right? Wednesday. 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 Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's Brewers. The, and okay, tomorrow's the National League. And Brewers then, Nationals? Yes. And that's in Washington. Yes. So that's why well, those games in Washington yep. were so important. That's very big for them. Yeah. So going forward, anyways. So uh, I'm gonna, Oakland and St. Louis. Oakland and St. Louis are the two teams I'm going to follow. Uh, I'm not saying rooting for yeah. it, but I'm going to really enjoy watching them play. And if I'm going to root for a team, it might be Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Just to see. Uh, the, I mean, it's such a tradition there and do well. I'm curious to see how Minnesota handles New York. They have not played well there in the playoffs. Well, they've never beat New York in the playoffs. Nope. They have five times New York has eliminated them. So it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, that's what I'm looking for in uh, baseball playoffs is I'll, I'll probably follow the Cardinals and Oakland most of the season. That gives me a Midwest and a, uh, yeah. a West Coast team to, to follow. And in the National League, I really expect – the Dodgers to win the National League. And in the American League, I really expect the Astros to win it. So but you're going I'm Dodgers-Astros f- again. I think those are the two teams most likely to mm-hmm. make it there. I think most people will pick them. Makes sense. I am not. Um, I'm following mm-hmm. the teams I'm going to follow and until and they're eliminated are the Cardinals and the A's. I like that. I, I love watching the Cardinals play. And I think if you're a baseball purist like we are, we can enjoy watching the Cardinals play baseball. The A's are a fun story. Every year, you you made mention earlier that they get the most out of what they have, and they got some some superstars in that team that many people don't talk about. And Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, uh, Marcus Simeon is playing really well. Uh, the A's are fun. I'm going to go the Astros to win the American League. I just think that pitching staff's incredible. Uh, plus, that lineup is pretty dang good. And I'm going to go a different route in the National League. I'm going to go the Washington Nationals. I picked the Nationals to win the NL East this year. I was off, but wasn't that far off. Uh, they still host a wild card game. I think Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin give you a really good chance in any series. And I think the offense can score enough. They got some uh, some veterans in the team that have been there before. And I think this is the year, Tim, 
the Washington Nationals finally win a playoff series. Them and the A's and the Twins are all in the same boat. Can they get past that first round? And teams that I'm going to follow and root for, I might upset a lot of people with this. I want the Yankees to win it all. I want the Yankees to win it all. And I know my aunt is going to raise holy hell and say and slap the hell out of me. My best friend's a Yankees fan. And I don't hate them. And I, and if my team can't win it all, I hope she's happy come October. So, Well, let me put it this way. I don't think New York I don't either. can win it all. I don't either. Uh, I just don't think they have enough pitching to do it. If they do, it'll be because of their bats. And it'll be... You know, they'll win games 10-9 to 9 and, and stuff that like that does going not forward. In and it's, it's difficult. It does happen. It's just be difficult. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Dodgers going forward because the Dodgers have been to the World Series three years in a row, and this would be the yep. fourth year. So, if And the, when you look at the National League, how would you pick against the Dodgers going forward? I don't know how you do it. We'll see what happens. Washington traditionally can't get past the first round. And they're kind of like uh, the Twins slash yeah. Oakland mm-hmm. scenario. So we'll see what happens there. If there's a dynasty team, I guess if you want to see a, a dynasty World Series, you want to see the Cardinals and the Yankees. Yeah. yeah. Because I, those are the two traditional powerhouses, powerhouses yep. in the National League and the American Yankees, League. Yankees, so. Dodgers. I, don't, I think looking at all the teams in the playoffs, Tim, I don't think this is a bad possible World Series matchup. I mean, for baseball purists, if you get the Rays and the Braves, that's a fun matchup. Sure. Uh, that's a fun matchup. and uh, Each team has its own story to tell. Yes. And each one is different and similar in some ways. Obviously, the powerhouse team is, is the Astros mm-hmm. because of the pitching and that lineup. And it's it's phenomenal. And A.J. And Hinch is phenomenal also. It's just, yes. just a phenomenal built team. Top to bottom. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers are in the same vein. They've made it to three World Series in a row. And that's time for them to either win or, you know, pack up. If they lose. Oh, my gosh. Could you? Does Dave Roberts survive if they lose? Yeah, he does. He's I just, think so, too. I think he's a great manager. Well, I mean, Before we go any farther, let me talk about this because we haven't had a chance. It's, even though it's going to be 95 degrees tomorrow, yes. and I know it's going to be 80 degrees, uh, 85 degrees on uh, Wednesday and, and 80 degrees on Thursday, it's going to be 57 degrees yes. on Friday. You know what that means, Tim? It means you need a hoodie. Yes. I'm going to wear mine on Friday night at the game. And there's the only one place to get these hoodies, the great jersey-like hoodies, is at houseofhoodies.com. Use the promotional code W R R A D I O one word W R Radio and you'll receive fifteen percent off your order. Simple as that. That code again is W R R A D I O, and put that in the promotional code thing. You'll get fifteen percent off as we move forward. And I want to thank House of Hoodies. You can follow them on Twitter at H O Hoodies, and you want to definitely do that because they not only show off the great hoodies. They have a lot of contests mm-hmm. out there. Very simple to retweet or say, yes. predict a score, and you can win a hoodie. So uh, not only just purchase your hoodies, you can have a chance to win one there, too. Tim, uh, we got a good one coming up Friday. Last week was a personal one for you, and that was a fantastic football game. The games we broadcast in three years, I'll say sans the playoff games, that was a lot of fun. That was what Steel Valley, Boardman Mooney should be about. Just a phenomenal game. Mooney made one more play to win. 
Uh, what a great game that was, and uh, we had a lot of fun talking to PJ Fecco. Well, and let's let's recap that Joe game because the ending was crazy. To talk about those who were there understand what happened or knows what happened, but may not know the details of what happened. Mm-hmm. Mooney tied to score up a twenty-one late in the ball game. Borman then had the one last chance to drive down the field and did, and they threw a phenomenal pass down the a right sideline to Miller, and Miller made a, a juggling one-handed catch. And set them up at the 13-yard line with 20 seconds to play as the clock continued to run. And then they spiked the ball with five seconds to play. On came the kicker in Friday to try to win the ball game for Boardman. A penalty flag was thrown, and that's when everything changed. And I'm going to let you explain what happened because you had the information exactly what was called and how it was called and the outcome, because most, including myself, was trying to figure out what was going on as the clock ran out to triple zeros and no kick happened after the penalty was enforced. And many of us went to the NFL rule saying it was must have been a runoff. At the time, I even said it's possible, but I don't think it was. I did not know what happened. We later found out, and you have all that information. Yes, uh what happened was when the referee spotted the ball for play after the spike, a Bourbon player was lined up in the Mooney neutral zone, which was a rare encroachment penalty on the offense. Yes, encroachment can be called on the offense. So when the official spotted the ball ready for play, a Bourbon player was lined up in Mooney's neutral zone, which resulted in the flag. If it would have been a false start, it would have been a dead ball. The clock would not have ran. However, once the penalty was called and enforced and the ball was put back into play, the clock ran and the clock expired. So contrary to what some people think, it was a runoff. And it was easy to think why it could be a runoff. However, when you break down the 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 rules, and I had the privilege of talking to a couple people who and know the rules, it was not a runoff. It was a bullpen player was lined up for encroachment, and the, this person said that it would have been a better situation for Borman had it been a false start because, like I said, the clock would not have ran. Every it is game, a rules violation. Here's yes. Put it into perspective what you said. The player was lined off in the neutral zone, so it's actually encroachment on the offense. Five yards was assessed against the offense, so they moved the ball back to the 18. When the ball was placed and the whistle was blown to play in, the Borman thought they had the 40 seconds or the 25 seconds to line up to kick Mm -hmm. the the, the field goal to win the ball game or attempt to win the ball game. That's not the case. When they lined up, they were taking their time, and when the whistle blew, the clock began, Mm -hmm. and the five seconds that remained in the fourth quarter ran off. And that's how we went to overtime. It was not a runoff because of the penalty. It was a runoff because Borman lined up to kick a field goal to try to win it, and the clock expired before the snap happened. That's why the game went to overtime. It was not a runoff. And most of us, and including myself and Matt, wondered if it was possibly mm-hmm. a runoff because we weren't sure what was happened. And... No one in the press booth and no one in the PA knew exactly what happened because we didn't know the exact rules that you just explained. So that's what happened 
in that game. So they went to overtime. Mooney had the ball first. They get into the end zone. They're up by six. They kick the mm-hmm. extra point to go up seven. 28-21. Borman comes back, and they get the touchdown, and they decide to go for two. Love the call. I absolutely love the call if you're Ignacio. Uh, and I was going to say, I give them a lot of credit. I've seen this happen in many high school games. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've seen Mooney under Don Bushy do this all the time. And at the time, I used to yell, why aren't you kicking the extra point and going to the second overtime? You realize that you're willing to put the ball in your hands for one play to win or lose. And you have a one-play overtime. That's not a bad scenario to be in. You have to get two yards. You have to, you know, obviously execute the play. So after a timeouts for both teams, they line up and Borman runs a reverse. A, a, a nice call. And absolutely, mm-hmm. I have no problem with the call. I thought the call was a gutsy call. At the time when it was developing, I thought they're going to run. Think you wanted to throw it. Well, exactly. I called it the Philly special yes. because if you go back to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, that's what they called it when the quarterback ended up catching the ball in the end zone for the two-pointer. I thought that's exactly what they were running because it took a while to develop, and it was behind the line of scrimmage, and they pitched the ball in that vernacular to move the ball from when the play was going to the left side back to the right side. And that what made, initially made me believe it was that. It may have still have been the defensive backs never bit on it, so the quarterback was never open. Mm-hmm. Miller, who had the ball, made the cut inside yep. and got caught at the one-yard line or just inside the one before the goal line and the game ended. But a a phenomenal game, a game of what-ifs if you're a Boardman, a game of good fortune if you're you're Mooney. Uh, Mooney moves to two and two. Big win for them. Boardman falls. Three and two, right? Three and two, excuse me. Yeah. Three and two. Boardman falls to one and four. And um, an amazing uh, uh, game. Wrecking back to the old Steel Valley. Yes. Borman is not part of the Steel Valley. Borman is not part of the Steel Valley. I'm going to say it one more time. Borman is not part of the Steel How Valley. How the hell aren't they part of the Steel Valley? Borman is not part of the Steel Valley. Simple as that. Mooney is. Ursuline is. East Youngstown is. is. Both schools from Youngstown, Cheney and East. Those are the four in the Steel Valley. Borman is not part of the Steel Valley. It's an old Steel Valley rival yes. from the past. I want to clarify that going forward. Because uh, maybe Get, that, that may change in the future. That's a totally different story. But that was a fun game to do. As you mentioned, we have Canfield yes. this Friday against Cleveland JFK. Our first opportunity to see the Cardinals play this year. Looking forward to it. We got to see them uh, during training camp. As yes. They had one of their, their scrimmages, and you and I had a chance to go see them play. Yeah. Uh, first of all, let me say this. Ask you this: Did you do what I asked you last week to take thirty seconds to take it all in? I think you did on the field. I think I enjoyed myself. I think yeah. you did on the field. Yeah, I, it was, that fun. was a lot of fun. I think more. I think where I actually took that is when I was sitting next to the students who were calling yes. the game, and then I gave them information. I gave them uh, the lineups that I had and the the rosters where they would have it for their broadcasts on uh, cable. I don't think none of them knew that I actually went to Portman, which is fine. Not important. I didn't introduce myself and all that, and not that I care. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's when I took the moment and, and took that in and look how much my school that I went to grew because none of that was there back uh, 35 years ago. So uh, 
it was it was a fun experience, and I tell you what, it's, it's a beautiful stadium. The community should be very proud of uh, funding that stadium what? privately, and they did a great job. And it, it is really, really a uh, thing. I was I was a big fan of the old stadium because that's it just tradition. That's what you grew up with, yeah. Yeah, and change is good. I've always said that change is good. What a state of the art! And that is a beautiful stadium. We were blown away. Beautiful stadium, perfect place to call a game from, and the people at Boardman ran it phenomenally, and with all expectations that I could ask for, and all the uh, class that you would want from a uh, school handling a uh, broadcast. So I thank them uh, going forward and look forward to that opportunity again in the future. Not just that game, but any game at that stadium. Hopefully a playoff game going forward for somebody Mm because it won't be Borman. Not because they can't qualify for the playoffs. It's because you don't get home games unless it's the first game. And Borman probably will not qualify for a home game this year. No, that's – we had a lot of fun. That was was my first ever Borman Mooney game. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. We got to get Borman back to the Steel Valley, like you said. That's a whole other thing. But this Friday is kind of special for me, Tim. Yes, go we, ahead, talk about it. Yeah, we had the privilege last year of seeing Canfield, and uh, you and I went out this August. Hard to believe it was almost two months ago that you and I went out to see the Cardinal scrimmage Hubbard. A personal touch for me. I graduated from there in 2009, and my cousin Clay from them is on the coaching staff now. Canfield's off to a nice start. Uh, it's different because the Cardinals are playing an independent schedule for the first time. So they're seeing a lot of teams that they don't have a lot of familiarity with and a lot of history with. Uh, they've had some tough losses, some really nice wins. Uh, Cardinals play Cleveland JFK Friday, who we have not seen yet, Tim. Um, this probably will be our only time or one of our few only times to see Cleveland JFK. But, yeah, it's just special for me. I've I've been to a lot of football games there growing up as a kid and then later as a student. It'll be a lot of fun for me to broadcast a game from Canfield. Have a lot of respect. I think uh, you can attest to this too. A lot of respect for uh, Coach Pavlansky and the job uh, that he's done at Canfield. And he's been uh, tremendous helping us out. Anytime we've had a Canfield game last year or this year, uh, Coach Pavlansky has done a great job. Uh, making our jobs a heck of a lot easier. Canfield, in years past, they went 7-3, and three, probably couldn't qualify. But because of the schedule this year, 7-3 and three probably gets them in, Tim. Uh, I don't know where they sit right now. I have not looked at the playoff standings yet. Um, but I believe if Canfield goes 7-3, and three, they should get in. Yes. Yeah, it's an important game for the Cardinals. They need the win. Uh, Cleveland JFK coming in winless, but... It's going to be a chance being independent mm-hmm. that Canfield is. It's every game's important. And any chance you can get a victory and move forward and play well, it's going to be important. And, you know, there the, is a challenge. Anytime you're, you're, you're on a Friday night playing at home in front of your friends and families and, and your student body, that's what you want to do. So I'm really looking forward to that game, and it should be a very good game. However, the announcement that we're going to make. Okay. Saturday, we have a special game on Western Reserve Radio. We are headed to Cleveland as the Rockledge Pirates will be heading up from Rockledge, Florida to take on St. Ignatius Wildcats, who are 2-3. and three, And that game will be heard exclusively on Western Reserve Radio. 
across the nation, as you can listen to it yes. at westernreserveradio.com, on the TuneIn app, on the 365 app. Uh, you can find us just about anywhere, including westernreserveradio.com. And that game is at 8 o'clock on Saturday. So nationally ranked Rockledge comes in at 5-0. and St. Ignatius 2-3. and One of their big wins, obviously, over Akron Hoban. Hoban. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, what a get for year one at Western Reserve Radio. A nationally ranked team coming in to face an Ohio power. You and I and Matt had the privilege of seeing Hoban a couple weeks ago. And we all know Akron Hoban's really good. A four-time defending state champion. And St. Ignatius beat him. It should be a lot of fun Saturday night for you and Matt. I will not be able to be there. But you and Matt, in prime time, Tim, 8 o'clock. Yes. Prime time. In Cleveland. Should be a lot of fun. Now, here's some information on the two teams. So we'll do a little preview here for those who are listening. Rockledge comes in at 5-0. and They're 2-0 and at home, 3-0 and on away from home. They have scored 156 points and given up only 39. That's incredible. St. Ignatius comes into the game at 2-3. and 0-1 oh at home. 1-1 on the road. 1-1 on neutral sites. That's 400 winning percentage. They have scored 140 points and given up 172. Now, you look at the average for both these mm-hmm. two schools coming into that game. Rockless is averaging 31 points per ball game. St. Ignatius is averaging 28. The first quarter breaks down this way by average, so it's not by mm-hmm. scores, meaning like threes, six, yep. nines, yep. that type of thing. Uh, Rockledge scoring 10 points in the first, 9.5 in the second, 5.3 in the third, and 5.8 in the fourth quarter for an average of 31.2 for a ball game. St. Ignatius is averaging 4.6 in the first quarter, 5.0 in the second, 11.6 in the third, 6.8 in the fourth for 28 points. Uh, so it should be a really intriguing game uh, going forward. I'm really looking forward to seeing this matchup. Uh, my understanding is Rockledge is flying in at 2 p.m. on the, Saturday wow. to play the game. So, wow. Yeah, is they're, that the they're literally going to get on a plane, fly to Ohio, to Cleveland, get off a plane at 2 o'clock, Probably have some type of a um, quick meal, quick meal, dinner type thing, and then we'll be headed to the stadium to play a game. Yeah, that's uh, when you're a program like St. Ignatius, unfortunately, you have to play these type of games. I won't say unfortunately, because I think most coaches would rather play somebody around here. But when you're really good, uh, we've seen the scheduling challenges that have presented teams in our area. This is a great chance for St. Ignatius, who is two and three against a bear of a schedule to see how good they are in week six against a nationally ranked team, probably a contender or the favorite to win the Florida State Championship. If St. Ignatius gets into Division One, they're probably a favorite to win Division One. Uh, so Saturday night should be a lot of fun. It's uh, not very often, if all, we get to have a nationally ranked team on our airwaves and to be the sole flagship station of this game Saturday uh, is really cool. Well, let's put it this way. This is who St. Ignatius has played this year. And you're looking at, oh, they're two and three. How could could, could they be? Well, they f- they faced Mentor to open their season. They lost 38-31. And Mentor is traditionally a powerhouse in Division State one. championship contender. Yes. 
They took on Akron Hoban on the road and won by one against Akron Hoban, 42-41. They then played a DeMathis from Maryland. Yes. Set them out 42 to nothing. Whew. They then took on Clarksville Football North. That is out of Ontario. Huh. And they lost that game by one, 41 to 40. So, so and they opened up their season uh, earlier uh, against Loyola Academy from Illinois, and they won that game 27 to 10. So, those are the five games that they played. The rest of their schedule looks this way. They have Rockledge this week on Saturday. The following Saturday, it is the Holy War in Cleveland against St. Ed's. Already? Yep. I the thought 19th, that was week 10. Nope. The 19th is against Archbishop Moeller <laughs> uh, at Cincinnati. Then they have St. X coming to <laughs> Cleveland to take them on. And they finish their season again this time, uh, I think it is a. It has to be. This is a another Canadian team, West Toronto Prep. Yes. On um, November second. Wow. So, yeah, they play uh, the next four Saturdays or next five Saturdays against Rockledge, Saint Ed's, Moeller, Saint X, and West Toronto Prep. So yeah, they have a heck of a boy. They should always go out and play somebody, huh? Well, again. You mentioned about a scheduling problem. That's what they have. Yep. Uh, many years ago, Borman used to play them faithfully almost mm-hmm. every year for about yeah. 10 years. They dominated Saint Borman. They dominated Borman. Borman did win a few games, but they dominated Borman for the most part. They did play uh, Fitch a few times and have had games against... Ursuline. Well, no. They had games against Maslin and Canton. Those mm-hmm. games don't seem to get scheduled much anymore. So... Yeah, they do have trouble, but they become a national program, too. Uh, they take games from across the nation, and I understand it. Sometimes that's what you have to do. Uh, come playoffs, you don't have a choice. You have to line up and play whoever qualifies. So yep. We'll see if they qualify. Really looking forward to that game. Matter of fact, uh, tomorrow night, tonight when I get done with this, I will uh, get online, learn more about Rockledge, and try to uh, contact them and uh, see if I can get some information going forward for Saturday. So should be a lot of fun, but I wanted to get that out there. It's kind of uh, last but not least type scenario, yep. but it should be a great game. I'm really looking forward to Saturday. Something special for Matt and I, and uh, as we move forward, it should be a great game between Rockledge and St. Ignatius. And you can listen to it online at westernreserveradio.com, on the TuneIn app. If you have Alexa at home, turn on your TuneIn skills and just say, Alexa, Play radio station, Western Reserve Radio, and I'll pop right up. That should be, uh, like I said, a lot of fun for you and Matt. And it's hard to believe that it's the second half of high school football season, Tim. We're getting down to playoff time now. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this weekend. Uh, Starts Friday night in Canfield Mm -hmm. and then Saturday night up in Cleveland. Both these games, by the way, the Friday and the Saturday game at Western Reserve Radio will be on stream two. Because of the Phantom games. The Phantoms play both Friday and Saturday. Those games will be on Western Reserve Radio 1. We'll be on Western Reserve Radio 2. Just click on that stream and it'll be there. So that's how to find the uh, the game, both games. Yeah, this should be a fun Friday night for me. A personal touch there. I'm really excited about it. And Saturday, a huge 
game for first of two. We get to see the Cardinals play. Yeah, uh, and we get them sandwiched. We get them uh, this week, and then uh, not the next week, but the following week. week against Youngstown East. So, yep. the only team to beat Kansas for in the regular season last year, Youngstown yep. East. We got the rematch. We had yep. that in the playoffs, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, this would be. We're getting down to must-win games now for teams. Campbell's Every in must-win mode, and uh, St. Ignatius is probably in must-win mode, and so it's going to be a lot of fun, Tim. It should be. It's been a long podcast, a little longer than expected, but we had a lot to talk about. Well, we wanted to talk about baseball, and we thought we were going to have a celebration, but you know, but football is getting ramped up, and and we haven't even touched on college football yet. Uh, we can get that next week. Yes. Yeah, so, all right, I'm being paged. Yes. Let's find out. You are being it? summoned by nobody important. As the Ohio State marching band plays Hang On Sloopy, my sister is cringing, probably wanting to throw up right now. Uh, Rachel, that bet still stands. The Buckeyes, Michael, undefeated. So, football season is underway. We are weak. Football season is underway. Baseball season has just finished. Football season is in the midst of its high school football year. We're halfway through. We're a quarter way through the NFL. Mm-hmm. College football has just begun. As Anthony mentioned, we have not had a chance really to get into the national mm-hmm. talk yet. We will. The fun part is just beginning because now you're getting into conference yes. games and important games for Notre Dame and other uh, teams like Ohio State. And uh, we'll talk, of course, on a national level as we move forward. So let's wrap this one up. For Anthony, I am Tim here in Bourbon as we talk on my back porch for one more week here. As long as the weather's good, this is where we're going to do the podcast yeah. each and every Monday. We want to thank you for listening. Also, please give us a rating and review and subscribe on iTunes and all other uh, platforms. We appreciate each and every one of you for downloading and spreading the word about Radio MVP. So once again, for Anthony, I'm Tim. We'll talk to you next week right here on Radio MVP.